Hey y'all, welcome to Common Era, a podcast presented by the Consulate Journal of Ireland in Atlanta. This podcast explores the shared ties between the Republic of Ireland and the American Southeast. And in this episode, we're talking with the Rewin Network. That's a team of engineers, architects, geographers, and sociologists across the U.S., Northern Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland. They're tackling an existential question for the alternative energy industry, how wind turbine blades are going to spend their afterlife. Now, if you're like me, that question's probably not keeping you up at night. But for wind farmers, getting rid of old blades isn't just a challenge. It's an exorbitant undertaking. Some blades are built to be about the length of an American football field, weigh more than 55 tons. That's about the weight of 12 adult elephants, and they're definitely not biodegradable. As Georgia Institute of Technology's Rewind lead, Dr. Russell Gentry, told me in an interview last year, it can cost wind farmers $300 to $500 per ton to leave blades at the landfill. It's a big problem. But the Rewind Network sees it as a huge opportunity to bring some fascinating new structures into the world. I'm Molly Holsey, and with me here, I have two guests. I'm Angie Nagel. I'm in um, University College Cork in the southern part of Ireland. And I'm American, but I've been living in Ireland for 20 years or so. I'm Zoe. I'm an undergraduate student at Georgia Tech. Um, I'm originally from California, but I've been um, in Atlanta, um, studying civil engineering for the last um, three years. I'm currently a senior. Um, and yeah, I've been on Rewind for the last uh, two and a half years. Gosh, I feel behind at 26 years old. <laughs> working on projects like that. So for our listeners, would, would uh, both of you be able to share maybe your, your quick elevator speech on what we're looking at here? The project I'm working on is called Rewind. And the purpose of it is to look for repurposing solutions for discarded wind turbine blades. And the wind turbine blades are made out of glass fiber composite um, material with epoxy. And it's really difficult to recycle because you can't take the glass fiber out of the epoxy again without it costing a lot of money. So the, the blades are highly engineered. There's a lot of excellent material properties left in them, which Zoe can talk to a lot better than I can. And so um, using these structural, residual structural properties of the blades um, in new um, structural applications is what we're aiming to do. So from my perspective, what I'm looking at is the life cycle assessment of any of the ideas that we come up with. So any ideas that are generated between um, Georgia Tech, between University College Cork, between Queen's University, um, I look at them and, and assess them from an environmental perspective to see if they're actually better than throwing the blades in landfill. And that sounds a little bit crazy, like you'd think any repurposing that you can do of blades would be better than landfill. But sometimes you find the amount of work and effort and materials that have to go in to refurbish something maybe aren't more beneficial environmentally. So that's that's what my research is about. I joined Rewind in 2019, um, and I'm kind of more focused on the engineering side of things. Um, so um, I do work closely with Angie because we're both kind of focused on the Blade Bridge in Ireland. Uh, but I started out doing more uh, like architectural modeling. Um, so I was there when we first started brainstorming um, the bridge design ideas and trying to figure out what exactly the first Blade Bridge would look like. Um, and then I kind of... Um, took um, a bunch of our brainstorm ideas um, and then 
we decided on one, and then I translated that into a 3D model that we eventually used to try to pitch it to um, the uh, Cork County Council in Ireland. Um, and then after that, I kind of transitioned over to working more on like the material side um, and the testing side, just to make sure that the blades are actually strong enough to um, be used in the bridges. So um, that's the bulk of what I was doing um, when I spent my semester in Ireland. Um, I did a lot of materials testing um, to kind of figure out the um, composition of the materials that we were working with and also um, larger scale load testing, just making sure that the blades can hold the load that we need them to. Um, and then, um, like transitioning into like coming back to tech and transitioning to my master's and kind of sticking with kind of more the structural engineering side rather than um, the architecture side that I was doing before. So again, would you be able to share maybe starting with Angie, your background educationally and then how you first heard of the project and got involved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually it was one of those things where life kind of is <laughs> like the universe is speaking to you a little bit. I think when I started, so I'm, I'm doing my PhD right now. So it's um, uh, yeah. So I, let's see, I, I worked for years for Intel and for Boston scientific and that's how I ended up over in Ireland. I'm from Alaska originally. Um, and I went on maternity leave um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago and from work at a Boston scientific and I started up my own company while I was on maternity leave and while I was, um, you know, staying at home with my kids. And I decided about four years ago um, that I wanted to do something else. I was looking around and basically a couple of things happened. And I ended up at a talk given by Jer Mullally, who's the, soci he's kind of the lead sociologist on our project. And I, I suppose we didn't talk, one thing about our project is it's the it's um, very transdisciplinary. And the idea is that you need a transdisciplinary approach to, you know, to fix really difficult problems. So we have sociologists on our team. Um, we have um, geographers looking at where all of the blade waste is around Ireland and mapping um, transportation routes, you know, for that are the most environmentally friendly, I suppose, from a you know, yeah, from transportation perspective, um, as well as architects and engineers. Um, so it's a big mix of people. But anyway, Jer Mullally um, spoke at a, it was an art museum and I went to it and I was just absolutely captivated by his talk. He was talking about this idea of the Anthropocene. If you know this, the idea of that we're in this era where human beings are affecting the environment and affecting the um, you know, everything around us more than, than humans ever have before. And, um, so I emailed him the next day and said, I want to do a PhD. Can you tell me more, you know, what I could do? And he said, wouldn't you believe that for the next three weeks, we're taking applications for the rewind project. So you got in just in time. So it was, if I had waited like two more weeks, I wouldn't be on this project. And it really hadn't occurred to me that I wanted to do a P I wasn't really looking for a PhD right then. I was just sort of starting to feel out the ideas so two months after that talk I was started I started on the project so it was absolutely like really cool um and I I had to walk away from the business I was running I actually gave it away the business so that's how I ended up doing the PhD it was like um very fortuitous <laughs> wow so. I I don't think I've ever heard of any stories where somebody said oh I wasn't looking to do a PhD at the time the PhD was looking for me <laughs> That's, it that's, happens later, it, later, you know, when you're off the track later on in life after you've, you know, you've gone through school and you've gone to college and then you're sort of 
looking around a little bit, then things will <laughs> will come to you if you're sort of open to them, I think. So anyway, that's how I ended up doing the PhD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My story is pretty different from Angie, but also like kind of similar. I feel like it rewind also kind of fell in my lap a few years ago. Um, I, when I was a freshman, I was very involved in a lot of our student organizations, um, especially like our civil engineering focused ones. Um, and one of the faculty advisors on our project kind of took notice that I was very involved. Um, I'm also a minor in architecture um, and he um, took note of that as well. So he kind of reached out to me and said like, hey, I see you're really involved. Like we really want to <laughs> hold on to our involved students. Um, and he asked me if I was interested in research. Um, and he happened to be um, close with um, one of our professors on the project, um, Dr. Gentry. So he, like a few days later, he came to me and was like, hey, I found this project that I think you really like. Um, just like, take a look at it. And if you like it, you're hired. So <laughs> um, I, I read into Rewind and um, it just sounded like a really amazing project. And I also like wanted to get more um, involved in architecture just because um, even though I'm a minor um, through the coursework we don't really um, get to learn that much about architecture so um, I figured doing a research project would um, let me kind of be more involved in um, that side of my degree so um, I joined August of 2019 and um, I've, I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Through the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> And I heard that there were a couple trips uh, that despite everything going on, you were still able to make it to Ireland. Just Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a little bit sketchy just because um, originally I was going to do it like through Georgia Tech and like have it like, um, you know, better funded and everything. Um, but it turns out that Georgia Tech was, um, you know, not. Uh, sponsoring any travel like for the spring uh, 2021 semester so I ended up just like taking a semester off and going um, and still working on the project just because um, it was kind of the only semester that I could do it so I say even when she takes off she's still working <laughs> <laughs> no vacations for Zoe uh, so in terms of the final project or sorry the final product um, i remembered learning a little bit about the telephone poles in Georgia. And I realized that maybe that's a different team than what both of you were working on. I'm not sure how closely y'all work together on that, but I remember mm -hmm. seeing some of the plans for that um, and then the bridges as well. And we will have some graphics um, that I will add later, but for those that are just listening, um, how would you be able to describe that is that they're able to see it in front of them. I can try doing the blade pole and Zoe can probably describe the bridge as well. So mm -hmm. I suppose I, I worked early on like a year ago on some of the early blade pole work and more of like um, from a business perspective and from a commercialization perspective rather than a design perspective. But the idea is to take um, blades that are 30 meters, so 60 to 90 feet long. And um, so we jump in and correct me on any of this if you need. And and in, reinstall them as close as possible to where they are decommissioned. Um, so what we talked about doing is looking for companies that have wind assets that are decommissioning them, but that at the same time are, are um, also installing transmission towers. So it's actually 
high voltage transmission transmission towers that we're looking at, like the 230 to 320 kilovolts range. Um, so, and part of the uh, benefit of these poles is composite materials. So they're quite durable, they're light, so you can transport them a bit more easily, but also looking at, um, at burying them, direct burial, rather than creating a foundation. And we thought this would be beneficial. And this is some of the, um, the benefits of the product that we found from doing the um, commercialization investigation that we did last year. And that was through the National Science Foundation i program. So it's basically a blade um, with the lower one third buried in the ground, sticking straight up, um, possibly an angle pole um, with, uh, with the connectors coming off at you know, 90 degrees from each other. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically what the blade pole is going to look like. And that's it's sort of um, a little bit earlier on in the development just because it's a lot harder product than the bridge is, than a pedestrian bridge is. So, yeah, I'll turn it over to Zoe. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, most of our Georgia Tech team is actually working on the blade pole. Um, I believe I'm the only person on our tech team working on the blade bridge. That's so more of like the Ireland um, side of things. Um, but, yeah, the blade bridge, um, our for our first bridge, we kind of um, went pretty simple with it. Um, essentially, like the um, the design is, um, if you were to have a wind blade, you know, not sticking straight up, but like on its side, and then the pointy portion is pointing up. Um, so we have two of those parallel to each other, um, and then a deck running in between. Um, for this bridge, our um, most of our other materials are galvanized steel. So we have a steel handrail, um, steel stringers um, running between the blades, and then a steel deck on top. Um, so uh, what else is there to the bridge? Um, it, it's a pretty short bridge. Um, it's meant to go on a public greenway um, in in Cork. So it's the span is roughly only like five meters long, which is around like 15-ish feet. Um, and it's around um, three meters wide. So like nine feet, I think. <laughs> and we do have a lot of more, I guess, like exciting designs that we've um, brainstormed and made 3D models of. Um, and hopefully maybe one day in the future we can make those. Um, yeah, that's kind of a rundown of the current blade bridge that we're building. Okay. Now, I remember hearing either at the time that it was just a perspective projects of putting these bridges along some of the bike paths along the wild Atlantic way or, um, well, I'll, I'll let you be able to describe that a little bit more in detail. And are there any that are already there or is that still very much in the works? So this will be this bridge on the Cork um, Greenway that Zoe just described is going to be the first um, pedestrian bridge, so the first blade bridge made in, in Ireland. If it looks good and it's not a lot more expensive, we, I think the county council are interested in doing more. And we've, we've had some really, in, we've had a lot of conversations with people lately, and they really love this idea that you're taking a waste from a renewable energy source, you know, that's supposed to be clean and turning it into something that's also renewable, sustainable, the idea of cycling more. Ireland desperately needs more cycling, cycleways. And you mentioned the Wild Atlantic Way that's planned. And there's something like 2000 kilometers around Ireland planned over the next I don't know, 10 to 15 years. And there's been a lot of money allocated recently in Ireland also to support pedestrian and cycleways. So we're hoping to tap into that. And then there's also this, this push for green public procurement. So for the idea that the governments are using their public money on, the, on items that are green, that are sustainable. 
And we fit that <laughs> as long as there aren't too much, you know, as long as the blades don't need too much refurbishment, it should be better environmentally than than a standard bridge. So the idea is starting to spread. Um, there's been quite a few talks like um, Engineers Ireland talk there a week ago, and there was a lot of activity after that here in Ireland. And uh, we, we spoke with yesterday the um, the person that maintains all of the greenways around Ireland. Um, it's called TIA, Transportation Infrastructure Ireland, I think is what the, the group is called. But they do all the maintenance on all the pedestrian bridges all around Ireland, and they're quite interested in this. Um, so it's it's has huge potential, but we just have to get the first one built, and it has to look good. <laughs> and then after that, you know, we can start getting the costs down and the environmental impacts down by reducing the amount of, uh, reverse engineering that we had to do. We we started the project out and there were 45 different ideas that that were just really roughly sketched up in the initial um, design atlas. Um, a few of my favorite ones other than the bridge are bus shelters um, and bike shelters. Yeah. Um, and I also, <laughs> I live out in the countryside in Ireland here and I interviewed a bunch of my friends who are farmers and making feeding troughs with the tips because there's not much to do with the tips. They're not that strong really, but feeding troughs is another interesting one. And then my probably my favorite one that I'd love to do when, when the blades get a bit bigger is um, glamping pods. So if you think of, of turning the blade, um, you know, the uh, pointy bit uh, down and, and the roundy bit up, right? So the, the leading edge up and the trailing edge down and cutting the blade in half, you end up with this like lovely dome shaped you know, thing. And if you if you cut it into a length of maybe six meters long, you know, 18, I don't know, five meters long, 15, 18 feet long, you can make yourself a little house. And um, uh, yeah, even like uh, talking to another neighbor here, we were talking about, okay, then we could take two of the, 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 the sections of the blade, stick them inside each other because the one further down would be smaller. So they would fit inside each other with a little bit of a gap there and then stuffing the gap full of llama fur because, um, uh, sorry, alpaca fur because there's alpacas here that get sheared all the time and nobody knows what to do with the fur. So <laughs> we came up with this mad design of making glamping pods with alpaca fur. <laughs> there's your other business on the side. It's going to be all together. All That's going to be our other mini cash out. That is fascinating. <laughs> it's like a little yurt. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Those have taken off here. Oh, totally. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with the, with the pandemic. Yeah. Everybody's glamping now. So, yeah. 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 There are a lot of really cool, cool projects. Like we have um, kind of a newer version of that design catalog that Angie mentioned that we just finished like a few months ago. Um, and I don't know, they all sound really exciting. I mean, even like some of the other bridge ideas that we have, like a cabled state bridge where like you have, you know, cables coming out of the blade. So it's like a much longer bridge span. Um, that would be really cool to see. Um, I feel like that's definitely far, far into the, in, in the future. Um, but also, you know, even using the um, blades um, as like piles. So like uh, you can have an even longer span, like a very long span bridge. Or um, we have uh, another idea to use the blades as like highway noise barriers. So that's if you have a ton of blades and you can kind of like stack them um, into like a wall and then it'll kind of dampen the noise from the highway. Um, there's, yeah, <laughs> you really, they're, they're just big pieces of plastic. You can kind of do anything with them. 
They're going to say, please bring those here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 85. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Very familiar with 85. <laughs> now, do either of you have any amusing anecdotes, uh, maybe personally, uh, from your time working on the project? Other than, again, Angie, maybe you already shared yours with this starting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Now that you ask, <laughs> I, I love to break ice. Yeah, I, I still feel bad that Zoe was here during the pandemic. Like, Marlon, <laughs> you have people over to your house, you'd be, you know, a good host. And I was like, wanted to invite Zoe over. And I was like, you know, we, we hadn't invited anybody over. We weren't even seeing, like, you know, Roger's, you know, my husband's mother in law next door. So it's like, Zoe over allowed. And so it was like, I was tormented about it for the whole time. And then everything sort of like opened up the week after she left again. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't have too, too much of an Irish experience, but no, it was still fun, I guess. I don't even know. Are, are there any funny stories? The, the buses are really hard to figure out in Ireland. I like, I, it's like the bus stops say something different, like at the stop and they say something different on Google Maps and they say something different, like on their website. And then somehow like I got on one bus and like I asked the bus driver, like, is this going like in this direction? And he said, yes. And I ended up in like a completely different city like, that day. And I had to like do like- where he's going. I had no idea the, where they were taking me, so. I want to ask Zoe a question. Just like, what was the um, um, the main thing from Ireland that you remember, or the main biggest difference, or something you were surprised by? Oh gosh. <laughs> I really feel like I wasn't able to see that, that much of Ireland. Like, I didn't, I didn't get to go to a pub in Ireland, which I feel like that probably would have been the most memorable part. Um, but I, I guess maybe just um, what I mentioned earlier and like having a personal relationship with like the people that I worked with, um, you know, not just our faculty, but also like um, the Cork County Council that I got to meet. Um, it seemed like people were very passionate about the project, you know, outside of this just being their job, which is really cool. Um, I think that's, <laughs> that was very memorable. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the Rewin Network, check out their website at www.re-win.info. That's also linked below. That's all she wrote. Thanks for joining us this time on Common Era. Gramagwif Agaslanagwif Aharja.